I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The FT. Investors are being offered more control over their pensions. So what are the top tips from experts? The government has announced yet another crackdown on inheritance tax. But should you really be worried? And are foreign buyers pricing you out of prime London property? We look at the latest housing trends. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hello. Steve Lodge. Hello. And our special studio guest, Mike Warburton, senior tax partner at Grant Thornton. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, the government confirmed that investors would no longer be forced to buy an annuity at age 75. From next April, people will be able to take out as much as they want from their pensions, so long as they can show they have a minimum income of £20,000 a year to prevent them falling back on the state. There will also be lower tax charges on the pension pot if the investor dies while in income drawdown, with a flat rate of 55% on any assets left to heirs. Uh, Steve, is it a good thing that people aren't being forced to buy an annuity anymore? Yes, I think so, Alice, because, I mean, people have been concerned in recent years that annuities have just fallen and fallen with growing longevity, which, of course, is good news. But the net effect of that is that people providing that income in retirement are going to give you less and less because they expect you to live longer. Mm. Um, At the same time, many people have been afraid, of course, that if they die early, then the pension dies with them. And so so these these new rules will help people who are happy to take on board the extra flexibility with extra risks of typically what's called a, an income drawdown structure. Mm. But of course, if you want to go into income drawdown, you, you'll need quite a lot of money in order to do that, um, won't you, Mike? I think, um, I mean, the government has said today that in order to stay in income drawdown past the age of 75, you have to prove that you can have a minimum income per year of £20,000 elsewhere anyway. Yes. So that's meaning that not that many investors will be affected and by this. And typically you wouldn't consider going into drawdown unless you had a fund of probably a minimum of half a million pounds. Anyway. Because it's simply just not, it's not cost effective to do it otherwise. Having said that, um, anything that increases flexibility has got to be a good thing. The, uh, the way that people have been forced to buy annuities at 75 has been resented heavily by many, many people. Mm. You're absolutely right, Steve. You you take a risk with the insurance company and if you die earlier than the the life company expect when they're doing the calculations, you've lost out. But of course, there is the other side to it. You could live longer and people are living longer. And uh, it, it, it always seemed to me that 
one of the benefits of buying an annuity is that you are de-risking your personal finances. You don't know how long you're going to live. You're laying off that risk with the insurance company. And although I know a lot of people complain about the poor annuity rates, and I can understand that, nevertheless, in personal financial planning terms, at least you know you're going to have an income for the rest of your life. Yes, it's a balance, I think, because, I mean, a lot of listeners will have um, big ISA portfolios now, which currently, and hopefully in the future, they'll be able to draw down that income tax-free. So so the really sort of clever tax planners out there will be thinking, aha, what I'll do is I'll take a relatively small income drawdown, stay possibly within my higher age-related allowance of just £10,000, but top it up with massive tax-free payments from my ISA for a while. That would seem to be one flexibility people could take advantage of. Yes, uh, you, they'll have different ways that they can fund their retirement. And with extra flexibility, they can choose... Uh, what they do with their pension fund, it may well still make sense for people to buy an annuity, but they can choose when to buy an annuity. And, of course, the older you get, generally the annuity rates improve. Um, Because people have been living longer and progressively living longer, uh, it means that annuity rates might not have improved as much as people expect uh, later in life. But at least you've got that flexibility, and and that's what it's all about. Mm. I think another advantage uh, is going to be that people may be able to use their pensions now um, in inheritance tax planning, because... uh, now that they have this new rate of 55% tax if you die after the age of 75, um, this is going to be quite um, good for some investors, I think. Yes, I know 55% may sound high. First of all, it's a lot less than it was. Mm. Uh, secondly, you've got to remember that the money that goes into your pension fund is effectively uh, tax-free. You get tax relief when it goes in. So it's, it, that, that's money you've not had to pay income tax on. And money that comes out, if you've avoided inheritance tax, that's effectively two levels of tax you've, you've avoided. So although a 55% rate may still seem high, in overall terms, it becomes more realistic to think about it in, the, in those terms. Um, but, uh, but I'll show a bit of bias here and say that when you're actually putting your money in a pension fund, I think the primary purpose of that pension fund is to provide you and your spouse with a pension in your old age. And whilst I'm all in favour of leaving money to the kids once you no longer need it, um, I, I think number one priority is planning for a comfortable retirement. But maybe that's just because I'm over the age of 60. So maybe <laughs> I'm biased in that sense. Well, various options now. Now, at least for investors who want to choose. Um, thanks for that, Mike and Steve. And for more on pensions and whether you should buy an annuity, look, look out for my article in this weekend's FT Money with the Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, prime property in London. First, though, inheritance tax. This week, the government said it would be clamping down on inheritance tax, potentially affecting investors who have taken steps to protect their portfolios and pass them on to heirs in a tax efficient manner. The move is the latest in the coalition government's plan to crack down on tax avoidance and follows a number of other measures, including getting tough on investors with offshore bank accounts. Steve, you've been looking at the latest so-called crackdown, but what have they actually said about inheritance tax? Well, quite, Alice. I mean, it's actually more of a warning shot, really. What they're saying is from April, what they want is typically... Advisors who have been coming up with all these newfangled schemes or or been coming up with schemes to basically essentially put property into trust as a way of avoiding inheritance tax, they want to hear about the new types of schemes that have come out from April. So not necessarily the ones people have signed up to already, but the ones that will be coming out from them because they see this as an ongoing issue. Um, Now, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to do anything about it, but what it obviously points towards is that they're going to use this intelligence as a way of possibly changing um, the law in future and, of course, 
what it's really going to make is anyone, everyone out there who's listening to this and 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 heard heard about this move this week is going to think, well, hey, is my is my trust based scheme uh, safe? Will this actually avoid inheritance tax? Mm. And Mike, are people safe? How will they know if they are safe or not? Well, we don't know for sure yet. I think the first point to realise is this is an information gathering exercise. There are already disclosure rules in place for certain transactions. Uh, the way people get bonuses paid to them using complex schemes, for example, or schemes to save capital gains tax. They've been for some years now disclosable. That was one of the measures introduced by Gordon Brown and I think generally has seen to be a successful way of clamping down on tax schemes. Far, far fewer are now being developed and and used in the marketplace because as soon as you talk to a customer about it within five days you've got to write into the inland revenue and hmrc rather than say this is all about it and and of course that can then be legislation can be introduced very quickly so uh, that for for quite surprisingly in a way never extended to to inheritance tax Um, a few years ago i can remember going down to the house of lords to give evidence to the economics committee on this very topic i can say that it's a published document came out of it and the house of lords economic Committee actually recommended, uh, not because of what I said, but actually recommended that this disclosure should be brought in. Quite surprising in a way that that didn't happen several years ago. Uh, I think what's really happened now is that the coalition government, uh, and it is a coalition, there's a big influence here from the, the, the Lib Dems who, within their own manifesto before the election, made a big play about clamping down on tax avoidance. I'm not saying the Tories weren't also keen, but Lib Dems were very keen on that. And I think that what we're now seeing is a policy and initiatives being announced which basically play to that particular cause. So it, it's quite a logical thing in a way to have disclosure of inheritance tax. And in particular, the thing about inheritance tax is information doesn't typically get to the hands of HMRC until people die. So the informa- only 15,000 people a year actually pay inheritance tax, if you look at the, the tables that HMRC produce. So they don't have a lot of information. Uh, they don't get information on the sort of arrangements people have made typically until they die, unless they're disclosed. So mm. this is an information-gathering exercise. It doesn't mean to say anything's going to change. And I really would like to assure listeners that none of this changes the straightforward inheritance tax planning that people can do, and it probably won't affect existing arrangements they've put in place, because there is always a, a risk that people will be concerned that they've done something and it's now exposed. I, I think that's overstating the case. This is an information-gathering exercise. There are plenty of very straightforward ways in which you can save inheritance tax that people should take advantage of. Well, well quite. I mean, I think um, one sort of um, tax advisor out there called these have-your-cake-and-eat-it schemes. The, ba- the basic problem is the revenue doesn't like this scheme where, um, where typically we're talking about property, but it could be other assets, where people continue to live in the family home, but they've shunted it into this trust, normally for the benefit of their kids, and in some way that has avoided inheritance tax. And furthermore, they've often avoided the 20% tax that is normally payable on big transfers into trusts. Mm-hmm. But as Mike says, there are some straightforward things that without speculating about it, then they're fairly safe, aren't they? I mean, these sort of things like gift allowances, aren't they, Mike? Um, the straightforward things are regular payments out of income. Yes. There's no, there's no limits on that. Everybody knows, I think, you can pay £3,000 a year on a regular basis, uh, every year. But regular expenditure out of income, that's perfectly OK. Um, so it's well, a children's savings schemes, for example? Yeah, or just, paying, paying, yeah. Yeah, paying grandchildren's school fees, yeah. something of that nature. That works. But 
in general, lifetime giving. If you just want to give something mm. to your children or your grandchildren as a straight gift, as long as you live seven years, that's outside mm. in the inheritance so tax. So that could net. be a share portfolio. It could be a, could be a work of art or something. Yeah, be careful it? that you don't get caught for capital gains tax yes. if you're making a gift yeah. of, of, yeah. of shares or, or indeed works of art yeah. can get capital gains tax because that's deemed to be a market value yes. transaction. It works best with cash, frankly. Yeah. But, but lifetime gifts... Uh, really without limit, Mm. does give enormous scope to reduce inheritance tax. And bear in mind that um, in October 2007, Alistair Darling announced a a, a big improvement to the inheritance tax regime, probably, I have to say, provoked into it by George Osborne, a shadow chancellor, suggesting that he would put the threshold up to a million. And for political reasons, that didn't actually happen. Which we see no sign of. (laughs) No, and and they can't. Under the coalition agreement, they've had to abandon that. So we won't see that for the life of this parliament. The Tories, it was in their manifesto, but the coalition agreement ruled that out. As I say, a lot of things had to change when we formed the coalition. But the point is, Alistair Darling's change was that uh, it is now possible and has uh, since 2008 been possible to transfer the unused nil rate ban from one spouse to another. So effectively, with a married couple, you've got a £650,000 allowance. Now, I know that doesn't get everybody out of the net, but it, it, it just about halved the number of estates paying inheritance tax. It was a big, big improvement, and it meant that people got that benefit, in, a married couple got that benefit, without having to to go to the trouble of setting up so-called nil-rate ban discretionary trusts under their wills. So people who had lawyers could do it, but now you get it automatically without going to a lawyer. Mm. Add on to that the ability to make lifetime gifts. And really, inheritance tax is something which, for the vast majority of people, should not be an issue. But I do know it causes a lot of concern. I know a lot of people worry about it. And that, of course, is why in 2007 it was such an important political event when the Tories proposed their changes. Far fewer people are now brought into the net, but it doesn't mean to say that the worry goes away. I'm sure a lot of people still do worry about inheritance tax. Mm. And if you are concerned that you might be caught in the net, um, have a look at Steve's article in the FT Money section this weekend and on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, prime property. An influx of overseas buyers is boosting the prime London property market as they seek to escape the Eurozone crisis while exchange rates remain favourable. The number of 10 million plus houses sold in London has risen by more than 500% since July, with foreign buyers accounting for 56% of those purchases, according to the November Prime Central London Index from Knight Frank. The number of Italian buyers was up 41% compared with a year ago, with Spanish buyers up by 40% and French buyers up by 35%. Chinese buyers increased the most, up 52% on last year. But Lucy, is this good news for UK buyers? Well, this is very much focused on London and it has actually pushed up prices across the whole of the spectrum of the property market for London. I mean, actually, some of the properties up to a million pounds have gone up by 21.5% over the last year. Um, Some of the properties over £10 million have still gone up, but it's only by 8.1%. But I think overall, it depends your view of how the property market's going to go, but it people looking to sell their properties now are going to see that their properties have probably gone up in price. Mm. And who is buying property in London um, at the prime end? I mean, we've seen that Chinese buyers seem to be among the highest. Is anyone else snapping up these brilliant properties in London? Well, yes. Over the last couple of years, it's been kind of Russian buyers and buyers from the Middle East that have kind of always wanted properties here and they've they've want, typically wanted a kind of trophy home next to the Hyde Park or somewhere in Mayfair or Chelsea. 
But in the last year, we've actually seen an influx of people from, you know, China and India actually coming to the UK. And I think one of the main reasons that people are doing this is because of things like currency fluctuations. So people are actually finding that they may have always wanted to buy property in London, but now's a really good time for them to do it because they're finding that because the pound's quite weak, they can actually buy properties for a lot cheaper than they may have been able to do one or two years ago. Um, and there are actually quite a lot of other reasons for doing it. People want to educate their children here, so they want to buy a property so that their children can perhaps either stay in it or they can come and visit them and stay there. Um, it's London has been a very strong market for property because lots of people do tend to want to buy there and, and some nationalities tend to buy a property and then keep it forever and then just pass it down to their family members. They may just never actually sell it. So some of these um, beautiful properties around some of the parks will actually get snapped up and then they may never come back onto the property market for decades, really. Mm. I guess this is good news if you're uh, lucky enough to own one of these prime properties and you're selling your house right now. So there must be quite a lot of buyers out there. But if you are based in Sterling, if you're a UK investor with Sterling, are you being priced out of the prime property market by all of these foreign buyers? A lot of overseas buyers are coming in and they actually have cash. So they can, if they want to get buy a property, they can come in you know, put the price up slightly and they'll get the deal. But I think, Lucy, it's also feeding down into the, uh, if you like, these sort of professional postcodes of uh, London as well. You know, they're the kind of away from the Notting Hills and or possibly Notting Hill in some cases, you know, sort of Hammersmith area and so on. I mean, in my own area, I, the Greeks buying, for example, at the moment now, clearly the clever Greeks are thinking, well, we're going to lose our <laughs> euros and end up with drachmas, which are going to be worth nothing so mm. so they're buying up and so i mean that affects a lot of just you know relatively modest family homes yeah, in, no, in the yeah outside th- the the prime area i think you're right because um that's one of the trends that we've seen that people from the eurozone that actually want to protect some of their money they're seeing their their currency actually coming down so they want to put money into properties so they're buying all around london but the types of properties that they will be looking for do tend to be ones that don't need a lot of work on them so as long as you've got a property that could actually be rented out as an investment then yes you could potentially be be able to get a better price for it by selling it to one of these overseas buyers and just finally lucy um when is the time to buy because i think christmas might be quite a good time to snap up a bargain well yes there's actually been some new research this week from Huntley Hooper the buying agent for Prime Central London and they've done some research that says that you can get the best price when there are the least buyers in the market so when the market's not very active and people are away either perhaps for Christmas or in summer then you can actually come in with a a little bit of a discount on the deal and, and you may be more likely to get hold of the property that you want at a discount. So have a look at primelocation.com for the best properties out there. Thanks very much for that, Lucy. And if you'd like to know more about London property, look out for Lucy's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Lucy, Steve and our special guest, Mike Warburton from Grant Thornton. Goodbye. goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.